Hi, Jay Knights, and welcome to episode 10 of the What the Austin podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ellis from the Insta page and blog Historian Ellis. So, Elle's joined me for some amazing episodes in the past, and you're definitely a familiar voice on the pod. So, welcome back, Ellis. Hello. Um, yeah, I am really excited to be here again. As you know, I absolutely love coming on these podcasts so it's definitely it's, it's just good fun for me so never never a, um a dull moment here and always always happy to to come on um yeah oh I'm so glad so if you want to get to know um Ellis a little bit more um the best bet is probably to head over to episode one um so Elle was actually my first guest ever and we did persuasion and lasting love but um Elle will talk a little bit more about her page also how she got into Austin originally so that's a good place to start um but today in this episode we're going to be covering sense and sensibility and um particularly Edward Ferrers so this is going to be a sort of sister episode to the episode I did with Kaylee on Colonel Brandon Uh, I think Edward, like Colonel Brandon, is a really interesting hero because he isn't someone that stands out as a hero. And I know a lot of people in the Austin community feel um, the same, um, that compared to the other Austin heroes, he isn't really one that you root for. Um, That's always how I felt anyway, a little bit about Edward. Um, But he's just not really the exciting one. And I've always thought he's not very interesting. But we're going to look at him in a little bit more detail. And um, before we start, I thought I'd cover a couple of bits about heroes in general. So in the Oxford Dictionary, a person who is considered a hero is one who is admired by many people for doing something brave or good, or alternatively, somebody who has a particular quality or skill set. Um, So Joseph Campbell's book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, suggests that the hero needs to go on a journey, which is a circular journey that starts at the status quo. They go through loads of stuff, trials, tribulations, and then they come back to the status quo. But from that process, they're changed by their experiences. So the actual quote unquote hero, I would say for sense of sensibility, is more likely to be Marianne. um, But Eleanor is definitely... um, a close competitor for that position. However, in the Jane Austen community, we do use the term hero slightly differently. Um, Instead, we use it to refer to the man that the heroine not only grows to love, but eventually marries. And um, basically, it's the resolution of the heroine's journey, which subsequently confirms the hero in Austen's work. So that being said, um, these male characters officially only need to gain the title of hero by the end of the novel. And they only gain it by marrying the heroines in a lot of ways. So um, we'll be using the term hero like the Jane Austen community does um, mostly. But in gaining the qualification, we'll be looking at the qualities which fall more into the classic hero status things like being brave, good, going on a journey, having a particular skill set or qualities. Um, So me and Ellis thought it would be good to look at Edward in more detail and see if he merits the title of hero prior to marrying Eleanor, kind of more in a Mr. Darcy sense. Um, The fact that we still love Darcy, even if he wasn't with Elizabeth, um, because as he grows, he kind of gains those qualities of a hero through his actions and character development. Or alternatively, we may think that Eleanor is Edward's saving grace and he doesn't marry the the title of hero other than the fact that he marries her in the end. So, um, yeah, Alice, your thoughts on the topic and just Edward in general? Yeah, so that is all really interesting stuff to me in terms of exploring what a hero is. Um, And I would love to come back to that, I think, at the end of the podcast episode, maybe, and see if our thoughts still match up with that in terms of the definition for what a hero is and also obviously how Jane Austen 
fans view that as well. I mean, the phrase when you said someone who is brave or good, um, I think it's something you need to definitely hold on to with Edward. Um, but talking about Edward Ferris himself, so as you said, he's from Sense and Sensibility. He is one of one of the male heroes in that book. Um, so, I mean, his first description in the novel when we start the book is, you know, I mean, I, I can read, read a quote, if you like, from... Um, how often basically described him and it is um you know edward ferris is not recommended to their good opinion by any peculiar graces of person or address he was not handsome and his manners required intimacy to make them pleasing he was too he was too diffident to do justice for himself but when his natural shyness was overcome his behavior gave every indication of an open affectionate heart his understanding was good and his education had given it solid improvement but he was neither fitted by abilities nor disposition to answer the wishes of his mother and sister who longed to see him distinguished as they hardly knew what. I think that is a really big encapsulation of um, the character we're presented with, with Edward. I mean, he's, it's almost like, you know, he's, he's nice and that's about it. And people don't seem to think that he's remarkable in any way at this point. Yeah, and I think even further than that, he doesn't think he is. I think a lot of Edward's character is just built on so much insecurity. And I think later in the book, he actually Mm -hmm. says that he's like, maybe because there's a lot of the times that people refer to his shyness. Um, I think even in that one that you just said there, that it's like the shyness character. Um, And I think he says, you know, is it shyness or am I just kind of like filling in for my insecurities kind of thing? And yeah, I think he really struggles with the pressure that his family put on him. Um, I had all those same quotes, um, but there's definitely this emphasis that they want to make him kind of this great man or a fine figure. Um, But then there's a quote that says, but Edward had no turn for great men or barouches. All his wishes centered in domestic comfort and the quiet of a private life. Fortunately, he had a younger brother who was more promising. And I feel like that just sums up Edward, doesn't it? He's like always like this pushed aside and they consider him not to be very significant. Yeah, definitely. And um, in the, if we're going straight into the, the film adaptation, I one of my favourite quotes when he's talking to Eleanor and she's asking him, you know, what, what do you want to do with your life, basically? And he, he responds and says, you know, all I've ever wanted is the quiet of a private life have chickens and give very short sermons you know he wants to be he wants to go um into the church he wants to have a a quiet life but he's he's sort of dictated by his family because his mother is in control of his fortune um like you say his brother sort of has the opportunity to go and enjoy maybe more of life's pleasures than he does and I think he sort of feels stuck with his duties and not being able to actually do what he he wants to do with his life I don't think his life maybe quite mapped out how he wanted it to which I think is really interesting and I also think that in terms of the impression we're given at the beginning of the book I like this idea that I think Jane Austen is someone who comes back to that theme time and time again of first impressions of someone and perhaps not taking him exactly how we think he is at the moment and there's a real big room here for understanding him further understanding him better and he's actually perhaps more complex character than we give him credit for yeah and I think what's really interesting with Edward is I think the narrative falls more on the side of Marianne's perception of Edward um especially at the start 
that it's like she can accept yeah he's like really loving he's really loving and affectionate um and would make him a fantastic brother but it's almost like he has no depth to him but I think that um Ed was like a, like quite a unique hero in the sense that he is more sensitive. I feel like he has a lot more feminine qualities and he's a really considerate and kind person. And although he's not really like out there as like, you know, slaying the dragon as such, he really cares for the Dashwoods. And um, I think he's just a bit more private than a lot of the other heroes. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that about the more feminine characteristics as well because I I've written down in my notes while sort of exploring him was I was trying to compare him to maybe other characters that came later in Jane Austen and I in my head sort of compare him a little bit like a Jane Bennett in a way because she too is quite private and also they're you know they're both sort of flawed in that way that they're almost too perfect and too nice and I think people see that in them immediately and then you know just like Marianne's her overpassionate character feeds her into trouble in a way Edward his character sort of leads him into a different kind of trouble and a different kind of journey that he learns to deal with um so I think, yeah, I see him as a bit of a male version of, of Jane Bennett. I think he's just shy. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that comparison. No, absolutely. That's that's a really good one. And again, even though we can, we like Jane, I don't think she ever does stand out in comparison to Elizabeth. And like you said, maybe that's just mm-hmm. because there's those, the, the bolder characters against them. Because um, I feel like Edward falls in the same trap as Colonel Brandon, that we get this like description of Edward. He's not handsome. He's not very tall. He's a bit dull. And then obviously later we get the description of Willoughby, who is handsome. He is tall. He's interesting. He's educated. Obviously, Willoughby turns out to be the villain. But the point is, the thing is, when we first meet both of them, we don't know that. And so we compare their the kind of first impressions, like you were saying. And I feel like once we meet Willoughby, it kind of dampens Edward's character more. We're like, oh, this guy's a bit more exciting. Um, thank goodness, <laughs> kind of feeling. Yeah, you kind of forget about Edward, don't you? You're just sort of like, oh, we'll just forget about him for a bit because he's sort of out of the picture for a while. They've, um, you know, they've, they've moved away and Willoughby comes on the scene. Um, so yeah, if we start back at the beginning then, Edward is first introduced um, at the beginning of the book because he comes to Norland Park where the Dashwood sisters and their mother are because their father have just died. They now have to find somewhere to live. So they're at the house. They're feeling pretty pushed out, aren't they? And Edward comes along. He's invited to stay. And actually him being there makes things a lot more comfortable and his presence is actually welcome to the Dashwood sisters, you know, to Marianne, Eleanor, Margaret and their mother. Um, and pretty soon Eleanor sort of quietly forms an attachment, a sort of appreciation for Edward. And I think it's recognised by her, her sisters, by her mum, and it's a really sort of lovely attachment in a way that it's sort of done slowly and I like the way it's um portrayed in the the film with Hugh Grant because it just sort of shows this really lovely friendship building and everyone's quite aware of it but then Fanny Dashwood 
gets all freaked out (laughs) when she sees it going on yeah her little digs to like Mrs Dashwood and stuff and she's like Edward is going to marry somebody wealthy and like Mrs Dashwood's like oh maybe he he'll choose to marry for love instead and she's like no like I think whoever plays her in that film is just spot on but um but yeah he comes and it's really lovely in the film because he sort of befriends the youngest daughter as well and I think it's kind of, the film tries to encapsulate all these good qualities that Edward has, which is that, you know, he's, he's open to people. He can be quite shy at first, but once he befriends people, he's, he's really, really lovely and he's, you know, quite funny as well. Um, yeah, I think like the first description of him really um, pushes that, that it's like once you get to know Edward better, you see his qualities, the fact that he's, you know, really affectionate and has a really good heart. But because he's shy, it's like you have to form more of an intimate connection with him to actually get to know him better. And I think what's, I think why Edward's probably so sad for, like, especially like most of the book is because I feel like his family don't know him at all. No, I feel like they're all completely opposite to him and they don't take trouble to to get to know him. It's like, um, you know, this moment on the staircase in the film where Fanny's like being rude about them again. And saying how, you know, she doesn't even think Margaret exists because she hasn't seen her the whole time she's been there because she's been hiding away. And he turns around and he says to her, he goes, you know, my dear Fanny, they have just lost their father. Their lives may never be the same again. I love that quote in the film because it really encapsulates that idea of Edward who actually, he's a deep thinker. He he also recognises how other people are feeling. He's really aware of how other people are feeling. And I think that's a really wonderful quality. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's a quality that's really nicely balanced with Eleanor's personality as well, because I feel like she she takes the time to like consider stuff. She's not like Marianne and just like blurts things out every so often. Like she reflects on everything and Edward's very similar to that. And I think what's nice, like you were saying in the film, is that you see those moments with them on their own growing that friendship and that they can kind of like talk to one another and understand one another that they're not necessarily the most outspoken but it doesn't mean that they don't notice or care yeah that's definitely it and I there's this moment in the book where Marianne is talking to Eleanor about trying to probe her really to see what her feelings are and Eleanor says to her she sort of replies when she's talking about Edward and she says this really sort of lovely passage of describing him and she says you know the excellence of his understanding and his principles can be concealed only by that shyness which too often keeps him silent I venture to pronounce that his mind is well informed his enjoyment of books great his imagination lively his observation just and correct and his taste delicate and pure at first sight his address is certainly not striking and his person can hardly be called handsome till the expression of his eyes which are uncommonly good and the general sweetness of his countenance is deceived. And for me, this is really lovely. Eleanor has truly fallen in love with someone who does not fit that perfect idea of what a hero should be. But it's her idea of what she wants to find in a man and possibly one of the most relatable and realistic, but still romantic pairings of the book. No, absolutely. And I don't think a Mr. Darcy would be suited for Eleanor anyway. I think she needed an Edward, somebody that is that quieter, more reflective personality. And I think Edward wouldn't necessarily be that quiet. I think his family, like, are the reasons why he's like that. Like, you can tell that he's always searching for family. I think that's why he gets on with the Dashwoods so much and really loves his time with them. 
um, because I think he's searching for that you know sense of belonging with somebody anybody and I think that's probably why I mean we'll get into this later but why he kind of jumps into the situation with um, Mr Pratt and then eventually Lucy Steele as well yeah yeah definitely he's you know he comes across the dashboard and he finds they've got something that perhaps he's been looking for and he's actually find finds people that he can relate to and be himself with um you know and Eleanor says in that bit you know she thinks that he's He's lively and affectionate and fun in his own way. And I think, like you say, once that shyness is overcome, um, I bet, you know, she can appreciate that side of him. And maybe it's a side of him that he doesn't actually show to many people. Or a side of him that he doesn't even recognise he has himself. Like, I feel like he's so... He's so bad at recognizing his own qualities. I feel like he pushes himself down all the time. And I think it's lovely that Eleanor sees qualities in him that even he wouldn't see in himself yeah. he thinks all of like his like the fact that he's shy and the fact that he's kind of quieter or the fact that he's more reflective he he thinks all of those things are really bad qualities about him I think there's a section later on in the book where um Mrs Dashwood says um oh I'm sure you you know you you'd raise sons that um are independent and can do anything they want because she knows that's what he wants and he goes I would raise sons that are nothing like me not in action not in character not in anything and Miss Dashwood's like you do yourself a disservice like you have great qualities like it's so sad that he feels yeah. like he's totally inferior he's unhappy in himself isn't he he's focusing too much on the on the negative things I think that also what makes his journey a wonderful one because you know like we'll talk at the end but happens at the end but it's you know someone like that is you can have your your happy ending as well everyone deserves um a happy ending and I think it's wonderful that he goes on this journey because I think again it is a relatable a relatable journey he's perhaps one of the more ordinary heroes of the book is there anything else you want to say about um when we first initially meet him or are you okay to move on to when he goes to Barton Cottage I think we've pretty much covered everything um, it's actually the first couple of chapters where we meet Edward and then it's not until I think around chapter 16 when he comes back when he turns up at Barton Cottage so there's about like 10 to 13 chapters between his like of his yeah. absence um, and obviously in that time um, a lot of our thoughts have moved over to Willoughby and Marianne um, so he's kind of pushed aside a little bit in our thoughts Willoughby's left at this point so when they, this gentleman riding up on a horse Marianne goes running up because she thinks it's Willoughby um, and then she realizes it's Edward. And I love this line from the book. It said, he was the only person in the world who in that moment could have been forgiven for not being Willoughby. And I just love yeah. that because I think it just, obviously we know how like infatuated Marianne is with Willoughby. And I just think it shows that he has such a good bond with the Dashwoods that she's literally miserable about anything that isn't to do with Willoughby at the moment, but she sees Edward and she's still happy um, to see him because I think yeah. he is kind of like this, honorary sibling to them <laughs> I love that line as well um yeah. and then he does turn up but his like mannerisms and the way he behaves is very odd like at this point so Marianne yeah. observes that he's really cold um um to Eleanor and obviously Marianne expects true like romantic notions but 
um, Eleanor, it says that she's even like a little bit confused at why there's like no mark of affection anymore. And I think this part's really sad for Eleanor because they had such a great bond. But then there's a quote that says, his coldness and reserve mortified her severely. She was vexed and half angry by resolving to re- regulate her behavior towards him by the past, not the present. And so it's like she she's thinking about like their past relationship and thinking it was great. And she's trying to not let the way that he's behaving now dampen all of that. Um, and it's like she avoided every appearance of resentment or displeasure. And I think what's really sad about this is I think in this point, Edward forces Eleanor to go to be more closed off in whether that's his situation or like his character in general, because he behaves in this way. I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people really don't like Edward, because I think all of the secrecy just creates a really like toxic vibe around him and Eleanor. Because she's almost blaming herself. Like you said, she blames herself for acting too warm towards him, being too friendly maybe. And so she gets embarrassed she gets cold she thinks why did I act like that when he clearly you know that was clearly not what his intentions were and now I just embarrassed myself because I looked like I was too forward you know she's suddenly really conscious that she acted in a certain way and he's suddenly acting really differently and so because it was quite a long time ago as well maybe it feels like you know it was it wasn't what she thought it was and I think it's really sad then that she's made to feel like that and that is again like you say potentially something um that people find frustrating with Edward because he sort of inflicted as a bit of pain on Eleanor in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like there's some more like really interesting bits about this trip when he goes and visits them. One is um, his relationship with Marianne, which I love in this part of the book because there's so much banter between them. And there's one bit in particular where um, basically Mrs. Jennings and um, I can't remember what her son's called, but the other guy who turns up and they turn up and they start talking about Willoughby and they're like, oh, we wish Willoughby could be here. And Edward kind of picks up on the conversation. He realizes that maybe Marianne's got this something going on with another, with with somebody. And he goes to Marianne, he goes, I've been guessing, shall I tell you my guess? Um, And he says that Willoughby hunts. And it's like in relation to a joke that they had before. And Marianne goes, oh, Edward, how can you? But the time will come, I hope, and I'm sure you will like him. Um, and Edward says, um, I do not doubt it. And I just think this shows like such a bond between them. Like obviously they ha- they go backwards and forwards because Edward's very different in personality and doesn't enjoy the what he what they consider the picturesque as Marianne does. But I just think they have these really great moments of banter. And, and I think that's yeah. another reason why Eleanor really likes him because she kind of holds the family together. And I think the fact that he fits in so well means a lot to her. Yeah, definitely. Um I was going to say about the family stuff because actually, you know, he's he's someone that holds family values. And I think that's something actually that reflects um, Jane Austen's values. You know, if you sort of look around at sort of heroes in the other books, and I also read somewhere that her favourite heroes were, I mean, it was Edwin Bertram, apparently, oh and God. Mr. Knightley with Jane Austen. I don't know whether this was in jest, because you never know with Jane, do you? But for me, that sort of brings up a, that thing of, you know, what these men have in common is the loyalty to those around them and sort of the family values. If you think of Mr. Knightley, he's very involved in the family. You know, Edmund is perhaps not, our, our, again, not our idea of a hero, but he's very much involved in the family and looking after the family because his older brother is off doing other things. And 
you know, he looks after, he's only one that looks after Fanny, really, in that case when she's younger. And then, you know, you've got Edward Ferris in this one where he's really, again, I think he, he is a family, a family man. He understands um, his duty. Sort of morals and the, you know, and we can talk about the moral of the story. I think these are one of the things come into it. What makes a hero, what makes someone who you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with, it's someone who cares about you and your your family. And there's a great line. Um just before he leaves it says his greatest happiness was in being with them and again I mean even Darcy has like really strong family values he holds his father's word he looks after Georgiana I think you're right I think Austin really notices the importance in male characters that they need to have these family values for her this this is a clear observation you know we talk about Jane Austen as someone who she observed the life around her she observed the people around real loyalty friendship and family a hold very high and that is why these are reflected in um the male heroes because actually that is what makes a good person that's what makes someone who you want to spend the rest of your life with um there's what there's another um moment in this section of the book i want to talk about it which is super awkward and that's when mm-hmm. um they notice the hair in the ring and eleanor mm-hmm. thinks that he's like stolen a piece of her hair now i'm sorry if he had done that that toaster would have written him off as me for me i would have been like that's so creepy that you just steal like a piece of somebody's hair you know how i feel about the hair situation okay guys yeah, we talk about yeah, this all the time yeah, i find it <laughs> But to secretly do it and Eleanor has that thought she's like oh my god did he like mm. steal that just like when I didn't know and she tries to brush it aside but I think equally she thinks lord that's weird and she keeps looking at it thinking that's definitely my hair obviously it isn't her hair and he tries to say it's yeah. Fanny's hair but this is like a weird awkward thing that oh, I feel no. like we're all sat there going whose hair is that like is it Eleanor's <laughs> did he steal it like what's going on here so we soon learn then I think it's like literally a little bit later like Edward leaves and then Lucy arrives arrives. yeah so this lady called Lucy Steele so even her name just gives me like makes me want to throw up (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah one of the more annoying characters um but well well written well done character in in the book um yeah so Lucy still arrives she is a friend of a friend isn't she or something to do with yeah she's kind of like this distant not really friends with anyone but people seem to take her in um because she's like you know pretty and just like fun and bubbly um deep Mm. down she's not a nice person I honestly hate Lucy Steele so much she is like such a villain uh, again whoever plays her in the in the film with Hugh Grant like just does it spot on because the way she talks literally makes my skin crawl like, <laughs> I don't know what it is <laughs> oh she's so calculated though she's such a fantastic character I feel like Austin writes calculated characters so well and Lucy is like so calculated so I think it all comes out because um, Mrs Jennings continues to tease about the Mr F obviously they actually know who Mr F is now but they continue to have this running joke about it and I think and obviously the conversation of Ferris comes up because he's obviously been visiting like recently and at that point I think um, Lucy then starts to go after Eleanor and I think what's really telling is Lucy even admits to Eleanor she says like I'm a very jealous woman like we already know like like, yeah oh my gosh (laughs) 
film. Yeah. But she tries to pretend like yeah. she's friends with Eleanor. And basically what she does is yeah. she confesses a secret to Eleanor that she is in fact engaged to Edward Ferris. And this is like such a shock to Eleanor that Eleanor's like, I'm sorry, we must be talking about the wrong girl. Yeah. You want about Robert? But yeah. like it's that's that's a really shocking. horrible thing to do because she makes out like she's confessing it because like she feels she has no one to talk to and she values her friendship with Eleanor when actually that's not the case. She's sort of forced this friendship with Eleanor because she is jealous and because she sort of wants to find out what's happening. So in order to just make her back off completely, she then pretends she's being all like, oh, I've got no one to talk to. Will you listen to me? And she forces Eleanor to keep like the worst secret in the world that basically the person that Eleanor loves is already engaged to somebody else. Yeah, and I just think it's it's horrible because then she says to you know she's not allowed to tell anyone at all. You know she's strictest confidence, and we know what Eleanor's like as a character. She's going to take that. Although this is the most heartbreaking news, she's just so good that she won't tell anyone. And so now she has to suffer in silence. Every time she's around Eleanor, she has to like expand on the story. You know, Edward's kept it a secret because he doesn't want us to be living off no money. Because basically what would happen if Edward's mum found out is she would cut him off because she controls his fortune and Lucy's not the kind of person that she would want him to marry. And so um, basically she just keeps like turning this wheel and saying more about like Edward and how they met and how they're like still in love and how they've been waiting for like four years and what have you. And what's awful is the more that Eleanor gets to know Lucy's personality, you can tell that it even goes beyond like being upset for herself. She actually starts being upset for Edward because she doesn't want him to end up with such an awful person. Yeah. Yeah. She begins to realize what Lucy is like. And like you say, I think that upsets her as well. And she doesn't even, she feels very much trapped in this friendship now because she has been trapped into it and Lucy's done that to her. So I think this is one of the, again, one of the reasons why people are very much kind of frustrated with Edward as a character because maybe they get frustrated with the way that this has been handled and thinking that why didn't he reveal sooner that this is a you know that this has happened is he a bit of a coward because he hasn't revealed or told anyone the way he's just sort of let it play out and now expecting other people not just I know he goes into this saying that this is like a sense of honor that he should stick with Lucy and like keep the engagement going. But for me, the more honorable thing to do would be to come clean. Like, even though I hate Lucy, I don't think it's honorable to put somebody in a, a loveless marriage just because you gave them your word. Do you know what I mean? I would rather somebody break off the engagement so that they could be with the person they actually love than marry me and it'd be a loveless marriage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. And this is where I'm going to start turning the table slightly because I support Edward in what he does based on a few things because like I say ultimately as an audience now um looking at what he does I think we'd be very much shocked that someone would do that if we heard about that if one of our friends had done that but on the other hand putting sort of my historian hat on from that perspective um we have to sort of understand the context of the time and also what Jane Austen herself tried to tell us. So, you know, courtship and engagement had certain etiquettes at the time. I think if a man broke off an engagement, it was seen as a massive breaches of like etiquette in courtship. I think basically it would 
do the lady more harm than the man. So it meant that if the man broke it off, it would actually ruin her reputation more than it would his. So based on that point, that simple point alone, it's actually more honourable for him to keep going with the engagement until maybe she broke it off because he's actually, it's less embarrassing um, for her and he's actually thinking more about her feelings by not breaking the engagement because actually she would look look worse. A time when yeah, conduct etiquette was a massive thing, the popularity of different types of literature such as you know inst- instructional literature such as conduct books which told you how to behave in your private life which included matters of courtship and marriage um people would read these people would stick by these and it's just another aspect of the context of what was happening during this time i don't know what are your thoughts on that I love that. No, I'm glad you brought your like your historian hat with you because yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. And I think sometimes, yeah, it's it's difficult when you're reading it because you're like, you can hold, like for me, when I read them, I hold so much on the romantic side of things. And I think I forget sometimes the context of the time period. And you're so right. It would have affected Lucy so much. And even though we don't like Lucy, um, Edward's such a good natured person that he wouldn't do that to anybody. The only, the, the really odd thing about this engagement, and I do feel bad for Edward in a little way because he says like later in the book that it was kind of childish and he didn't know enough about the world and he didn't know what he was supposed to do. And I think Lucy was probably the first person he found kind of some form of affection with and Mr. Pratt and felt a sense of belonging. And so I think he maybe rushed into it because of that. But in terms of like his actual situation, you can tell it was really childish because Edward's situation in life it would never have made sense for him to propose to Lucy. And the fact that he proposes without like his mum's permission or anything like that, considering she holds the fortune, all just shows this kind of immaturity. And I think what's really interesting about this is it's very similar to like Willoughby and and Frank Churchill, their situation. But like you said, it's like the difference with Edward is he actually does have a sense of honour and he wouldn't Mm. put a woman in a really rubbish situation obviously Frank Churchill still goes ahead and marries Jane Fairfax but he's really cruel to her in a lot of the the time running up to that trying yeah. to keep it a secret Edward's never cruel to Lucy and he also obviously does hurt Eleanor he I don't think he does so intentionally like he couldn't help that he actually fell in love with Eleanor he, I think he says later in the book like he never see like properly properly seen or like understood a woman before so he fell for Lucy yeah. and then as he was like introduced to the world and other women he realized it was just like a childish yeah. crush I really agree with that because yeah in terms of the different storyline with you know Jane Fairfax and Frank Churchill he's a lot more outgoing as well in who he is and his strings sort of emmer along a little bit he's very cool to to Jane and I think Edward realizes sooner the situation he's in and he's trying to make the best of it I think he's almost resigned to his fate now unless like say she she ends the engagement and yeah it's just made it a bit harder he was probably sort of all right with it and then now I've met Eleanor and now it's all thrown a spanner in the works obviously is the fact that um his family know nothing about this and they've actually 
in in many ways married him off to Miss Morton, who's like another yeah. another pawn in the game. Um, so considering Edward isn't like every a fan favorite hero, he has a hell of a lot of women after him. So <laughs> Miss Morton's also there, and she's got quite a big inheritance. Um, she's really wealthy, and so um, that's who his family are expecting him to marry. Mm. He's already engaged to Lucy, but actually is in love with Eleanor. I mean, this is beyond a triangle; it's more like a friggin' square at this point. So we've got a load yeah. of people, a load of, a load of people in the game. Um, okay, so the next part in the book is um, a lot later on again. So he's um, been to Barton, that's all finished. Yeah. And then he appears in London. Now, this is super awkward. And in fact, the narrative actually says that it says it was a very awkward moment. Ooh. And the continents of each showed that it was so. Basically, Lucy and Eleanor in a room together, and yeah. they hear the door go. And who I'm should it in- be? But it's Edward coming through the door. And this is the first time the three of them have been together in the same room. And oh my Lord, is this an awkward chapter? So chapter 35, guys, if you want some awkward feelings, this is what you need to read because it's bad. It's really bad. I just find it hilarious as well. Again, so in the film, he walks in to the room. Ellen is there waiting for him because she has to receive him because it's like her well, she's, I guess, the Jenny, so it's her little house that she's in. And then he walks in literally straight to her and Lucy's, like, waiting on the side and then... Right, she's, like, behind the door. Yeah. And then he suddenly realises that she's there. And I think he goes to see her, he goes to see Eleanor before he goes to find Lucy, which... I think he goes to tell the truth to Ellen yeah. or like say to you like look it's yeah. all gonna come out now anyway exactly. I'm really sorry but then Lucy's yeah. just like but there yeah um and there's this look which passes between Eleanor and Lucy and I just think oh my god it's absolutely <laughs> gold dust it's it's one of the most awkward Austin scenes I think yeah. what's so cringy about it is Marianne runs into the room and she's like oh hi Edward yeah. blah 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 yeah. and she doesn't know anything about Lucy so yeah. like Lucy and Edward being together so she's like why are you being so like cold to me and Eleanor yeah, like Eleanor's so there like yeah. go and like greet yeah. her like a lover you're gonna stay you're gonna whatever how have you been and all this and she's really excited to see him and again it's that thing because she's also just sort of suffered again that heartbreak from Willoughby and again he's the only person that could turn out to make her probably like half feel happy again because mm. and feel better so there's the big reveal and I think I mean do you want to chat about like what Edward's reaction is to this when he goes to his mum when she kind of says like you've got to cut it off with Lucy he basically well ultimately he stands by her doesn't he is the ultimate thing and she then threatens well we know that she does cut him off the money in terms of his inheritance and it's handed over to brother john dashwood comes to the house where they where they are in london and basically ex- like tells them all what's going on and explains everything and he says you know nothing would prevail him to give up the engagement he would stand to it cost him what it might and then mrs jennings who is like also just a hilarious character again in the film i think she's portrayed amazingly she says everything how it is so you can sort of trust that what she says is really what she believes and she replies and says she goes, she says, then cried Mr. Jennings with blunt sincerity. He has acted like an honest man. I beg your pardon, Mr. Dashwood, but if he had done otherwise, I should have thought him a rascal. So it's sort of 
in a way, everyone realises that he's actually been done badly. I think for a lot of people, they sort of perceive it as they think that he's still like in love with her though and she's in love with him. And I don't think they quite understand how maybe deeper the problem lies. But for them, they just see it as already as Edward's being the good man because he's not only stood by her, but why should two people be separated and in love if they are? I think for them, they see it as, in a way, they sort of forget about Eleanor because they realise what's happened. You know, they've been teasing Eleanor, but then they realise they think that he's actually, you know, in love with, with Lucy and they sort of want it to work. Um, so, so a lot of people are, are rooting for him. Um, I know. Yes, including Colonel Brandon, who, well, yeah. I think previously, so, so he knows that he's been cut off. So Colonel Brandon says to Eleanor, look, I'm willing to give him the like clergyman position on living, my estate yeah, the like living. living at, at Delaford isn't it so it's yeah the, but it's not worth a lot and he says to Eleanor yeah. he can't marry Lucy on this amount but do you want to say to him because because what Edward's mum does is irreversible it now no longer matters who Edward should marry he's always going to be cut off so I think a lot of people forget that as well there is no kind of going back from this now um yeah, yeah, Edward's yeah, being yeah. cut off for life that that's it it's done yeah. and so Colonel Brandon kind of goes to him and says look I can give you a live-in um, you can't marry Lucy on it though and he he still says no doesn't he he's like no well, obviously I need to stick with Lucy but yeah. Lucy is not somebody who wants to live with you know tight purse strings yeah. so, <laughs> she wanted the money <laughs> she wanted the money all along and that becomes very clear later very clear. um when Edward turns up in the Dashwood stock congratulating them, like oh how's Mrs Ferris and Edward goes oh you know my mum's fine but it actually turns out it's because Lucy is not married to Edward Lucy in fact has now gone and married his brother Robert who is now the heir to the Ferrer's fortune and because mm-hmm. Robert doesn't have to ask permission from his mum he was able to just marry Lucy in in terms of personality wise they are a much better fit kind of I think it's one of the greatest plot twists at the end like you know the suspense of it as well and when they're all there like oh you know how how is she did you you know how was the wedding all this stuff and it's so it takes several sort of lines later on in the conversation for everyone to suddenly realise what's happened. And then it just becomes too much for Eleanor and she just literally runs out the room. And- right. And going off what you said about the fact that um, at the time it was like basically not impossible, but if you were a decent person, it was kind of impossible to break off an engagement as a man. Yeah. Then um, this is like this whole time, it makes that makes it so much more poignant how hard it must be for Eleanor because... Yeah. It's not even like there's any hope left. Like she's just got to go with the paces now and know that she can't ever be with Edward. And I think that's why she breaks down so much when he says that yeah. Lucy's married Robert because it's it's like such um such a tough like moment. Tough, I can't even yeah, imagine. Yeah. Because again, she's had to resign herself to the fact that things can never be different. And she knows that it's the right thing to do, but obviously it's hard because She's all that's suffering. And there's a quote in chapter 35, sort of when this is all coming out. And um, she says, you know, I'm very sure that conscience only kept Edward from Harley Street. And I really believe he has the most delicate conscience in the world, the most scrupulous in performing every engagement, however minute and however it may make against his interest or pleasure. He is the most fearful of giving pain, of wounding expectation, and the most incapable of being selfish of anybody I ever saw. Which I think sums up 
this battle between the fact that he's trying, he's almost like he's spinning plates, isn't he? He's maybe trying to just keep everyone happy. He's trying to keep his mum happy because he has to, you know, the fortune is trying to keep Lucy happy and he's, you know, and that's a massive commitment. And then he realises that other people are now involved. So how is he now going to explain himself to Eleanor? How is he going to keep himself happy? Um, you know, Marianne's there. She's become close to him in a, like a sisterly way, like you said. And I think it's, it's just yeah. too much for him at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's really sad is he always goes on about the fact that he's like, all I want is a simple life. Like, I think there's a really great quote that yeah, goes around, yeah. I, as well as everybody else, wish to be perfectly happy. But like everyone else, it must be in my own way. Greatness will not yeah. make me so. And I think that's such that a is- so powerful, but also so sad. He always that's seems it. so far from his own happiness. Mm. And it's not like he's asking for a lot. He's not after like riches and like the most beautiful woman ever. He, he's not like after anything bizarre. He's literally just after a simple life and just wants mm. independence. I think that's his main desire in life is, is to be independent and make his own choices. And I think that's why it's so bitter that she should not only give Robert the fortune, but that she should mm. also give him the independence that Edward's craved for so long. He wanted. Because Edward himself, he's trapped himself in the engagement with Lucy. But then even if he wasn't in that engagement, I feel like his mum would have forced him to marry Miss Norton because she doesn't care. Like she doesn't care to be honest which brother he does marry, but um, she does marry. So either way, he's, he just feels like he's been, he's almost like a pawn, isn't he? He's moved around and placed where people see fit to have him. He's going to be disinherited and he's now going to marry Lucy. And then we find out, in fact, Lucy marries Robert. Uh, it's just like such a wild couple of those chapters, considering he's missing for like half the book. He comes back and it's like full pace ahead. Like everything happens. Those last few chapters, those last few chapters, it's like, you know, every every page is like another twist in the in the story. I know. It's great. Yeah, I mean, eventually it kind of it all kind of works out in um do you want to talk a little bit about like their proposal the proposal to Eleanor in the end when he actually turns up and everything's cleared up about who's married who uh yeah, it's a bit like Shakespeare yeah. isn't it I suppose this book in itself this sort of actual marriage proposal bit at the end it's kind of fallen a little bit flat I think they're not perhaps the most Austin says the funniest thing in this she says oh my god this this line kills me um yeah Obviously, he says it was only to ask Eleanor to marry him. And quote, it says, and considering he was not altogether inexperienced in such a question, <laughs> it might be strange that he should feel uncomfortable in the present case, as he really did, as much in need of encouragement yeah. and fresh air. Like, it's so funny, <laughs> so witty that she's like, he's not inexperienced in this. He's already asked somebody once. So um, <laughs> it's surprising that he's nervous. Now he's like seeing the awkwardness of it. But they do try and make it a little bit nice in the film, like I say, because he says this really lovely line. He says, you know, my heart is and always will be yours. And I just think that's really lovely. But yeah, the actual, it sort of just happens, doesn't it, at the end in terms of they get engaged. But, and I was sort of reflecting on this a little bit in terms of what does, what does that mean? Why do we not get much of the sort of romance at the end? You know, like we've got Mr. Darcy with his proposals. We've got, um, Captain Wentworth with his letter that's just too romantic. Um, and with this, we don't 
get that quite as much. But also, again, I think a theme in a lot of the books is the fact that I think for Jane, often it was probably the journey to marriage, the character growth, the social commentary through the novels that was important. In most of her novels, like I guess a little bit in Man's Still Past as well, the sort of marriage is brushed off rather quickly. A lot of people aren't convinced with Colonel Brandon and Marianne's ending, whilst in Emma, her wedding is described as a wedding just like other weddings. Um, so instead, the book sort of focuses on the character journey, you know, in the titles, it's the battles between characteristics. You know, you've got pride, prejudice, sensibility, persuasion. Jane is a people observer. That's what she does. That's what she likes to write about seriously. and in jest as well and I think for her exploring what sense and what sensibility is in this case is more important yeah there there is a couple of really nice lines like it says um Mm. a woman whom he long ceased to love and I think a lot of his proposal to Eleanor is basically justifying the fact that he was with Lucy like he said his Mm. um it says his heart was now open to Eleanor all its weaknesses all its errors confessed and his first boyish attachment to Lucy treated with all the philosophic dignity of 24 so I think it's more about him kind of wrapping up the things that we've disliked about him and saying he's not actually a bad guy he's not a bad guy and everything's out in the open and actually what's better than knowing the truth and knowing everything about your partner and nothing being hidden and now they understand each other more than they did at the beginning they've gone from thinking that they are in love and thinking that they knew each other's character to now really understanding what you know what they've been through in life and they've actually journeyed the Lucy Steele issue sort of together in a way because now they were both thrown together because of that and had to deal with it and now everything's out in the open and they can you know use they can they've probably grown a lot from that his shyness is completely gone and like yeah. although he's nervous to go into the proposal, it's not in the same way that he's being um like reserved and secretive, like secretive before. This is like he's open. Like he even says, like, um, his heart was now open to Eleanor. And I think his heart being open yeah. opens up his character, like, and he's able to relax and actually be more confident. I don't think he realized that a lot of his flaws were literally down to the fact that he was like concealing this secret from everybody and holding on to all this anxiety. I actually think Ed is probably a happier, more fun character um, when he's not holding on to that burden. Yeah. It's almost like what what a relief for him to be able to now have this all, this burden off his shoulders and to just be able to stand there, declare how much he loves Eleanor and look forward to the future. I mean, it will just also completely you know, change how he how he now can look at his future and his life. And I think that definitely reflects that that whole openness and just feel yeah, that release of um letting it go, to, I guess. Yeah, let me yeah. And I think as well this really is is one of the main reasons I think that we can consider Edward a hero in his own right is that he goes on this journey. He has all of his trials and tribulations with the Lucy mm. Steele situation, with his family overcoming that, that he actually has to face one of his biggest fears, which is actually being cut off. And um, even though he longs for independence, he has no idea what that means for him. And so yeah. he's actually thrown into that. Um, Lucy then doesn't want to marry him. And he is just like on his own, nothing to lose. 
And he is able to pluck up the courage to go back to Eleanor and say, actually, yeah. I am in love yeah. with you. I've always loved you. And I, I still like want that. to, and I want to be with you. Yeah, what a brave thing to do after all of that embarrassment, after all that turmoil. He goes and he, he writes his wrong. And that sort of brings me on as well to this idea that if we compare that to the villain of the story, if we're talking about heroes and villains, we've got, you know, we've got Willoughby to compare that with. And he doesn't really write his wrongs. He doesn't go on a journey that Edward goes on. And in many ways, Edward's actions are sort of opposite to the way Willoughby acts, which is, you know, highlights the fact that he's a bit of an unsung hero. I think also what Austin was doing at the time was this character of Edward who sort of reflects sensibility. He was shy, reserved, not, you know, he doesn't express his emotions very well. He feels emotions, but he doesn't express it. And just because you don't express it doesn't mean you don't feel it, if that makes sense. You know, like with Eleanor and the things she battles with, in reality, these other qualities are far more important, you know. It's like a classic hero is that they have qualities that are admired by others and I think yeah. all the way through the book Edward's like true heart is admired by everybody like everybody mm-hmm. says like what a kind decent person he is nobody yeah. says anything bad about Edward no one has anything bad to say about Edward he he does do the right thing always and I think because of that I think in his own right he does have hero qualities even if he hadn't yeah. ended up with Eleanor we can still agree that he's a decent male, male character. Yeah, and I think if you think about it, for for women, they probably didn't have that much free. It was almost only just sort of coming in where maybe women had a little bit more choice about who they marry and, um, you know, romance and things like that. But for being able to fall in love with someone like Edward, I mean, that's like ideal. That's the dream come true. I mean, what more could you want? He's going to treat you well. And, you know, I mean, why... Marianne at first doesn't understand because she thinks, you know, why don't you like something more exciting? But actually, you don't, you don't need that. Why, why brush aside someone who's going to look after you? What is a hero in this situation? It's not Willoughby who professed to be a romantic, poetry Shakespeare loving guy picking you up from um, rainy, rainy fields. And I think actually emphasizes the moral of the story in that way um you know for success in love is actually a mixture of both sense and sensibility so i i think can we agree that maybe um edward (laughs) does does um deserve the title of hero even without eleanor well yeah it's my answer (laughs) (laughs) you've probably all realized by now i just think for me on Sense and Sensibility has been a book as well for me where I think when I first started reading Austen, it was sort of one that didn't initially appeal to me. You know, I was probably a bit more like you start off as a bit of a Marianne when you start reading Austen and you want that excitement and you read Pride and Prejudice probably as the first one and it's exciting. There's lots of, you know, the romance of it. And then as I've gone a little bit older, I've reread Sense and Sensibility, you know, quite a few times again, like the others. And actually it's one that's really grown on me and actually speaks to me more than I felt it did previously so I think Edward Ferris can come across as being a bit boring basic not exciting but I think his character is way more complex than we give credit for 
Yeah, hundred percent. And Colonel Brandon as well. It's been so yeah. good to kind of go into more detail Definitely. into both of those characters. So if you missed yeah. the Colonel Brandon episode, and um, that was an earlier episode that I did with Kaylee, and um, I think both of these those characters, you're right. You've got to you've got to really dive into them in much mm. more detail. And when you do, you actually realize it does make you question. You know what what is it that actually makes a good husband, a good lover, a good hero? Yeah. And I think both of them have these kind of hidden qualities that when you pull them out you go wow actually they're really great guys <laughs> I really enjoyed doing this episode it's been it's been yeah. fab so thanks again Thank for, for joining me I've loved it always a um, pleasure honestly always a pleasure because we could sit here all afternoon and carry on and talk about all the characters but um it's, yeah it's so so good to just chat these 100% and on that note um where can people find you um I am mostly on Instagram so I'm at historian underscore Ellis um on there there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of Jane Austen content on there but also other things like I um I studied history at uni I did my master's and my undergrad in history so on there there's just I like to sort of think of it now as a space where it's all just a little bit of of me my love of history my love of Austen my love of books so if you like any of those things that we really lovely to have you over there and come say hello I love it that's so great uh, yeah I totally recommend following um Ellis over there um I love your content so that's great and um that's everything from us and we'll see you in the next episode